I'm live again, which is very exciting. And this time I just went with a much snappier title because it was really tricky for me to type out hyperthalamic amenorrhea. And already Alex is here. So this time it's going to work really smoothly and I'm going to ask her to say the very long uh, word. Uh, here we go. Amazing. Magic. Just like magic. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm sure she's going to be coming in any second. She's requested to join. We're Yay! <laughs> yes, and Alex, I'm just wondering if I can hear you. Speak to me. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm so pleased. I mean, I can speak a lot of rubbish for quite a long time with like no back and forth, but I would much prefer to be chatting with you. So thank you for joining me. <laughs> Sorry, the technical side of this is a bit... <laughs> That's right. Have you done an Insta Live with anyone before? I can't remember. I think I have. Yeah, I have actually, but it's been a while. But I'm here now. It's We're fine. Here. It's fine. I'm just going to turn you up my end as well. I was just like chatting basically shit to myself for about five minutes. <laughs> But what I was saying, and the reason I kind of, well, I've been all over your Insta, which again, if anyone isn't following Alex, I just like love all of your content. I think we definitely have and share some similar values. And it was someone who followed you who kind of said, you must check out Alex. She's amazing. Um, and then I was kind of reading through like your backstory. Um, but maybe, I mean, I know this is the first time we've ever chatted, but it's quite nice to kind of hear it from you. And it's really, I love what you do, the work you're doing with women, kind of making women thrive is just incredible. But I'm just wondering, can you just tell everybody, because this will go out on my podcast as well, a bit about you, a bit about your journey um, to bring you to doing what you do so well? Yeah. Gosh, where does it begin? I mean, uh, really the start of my transformation, my dawning realisation that I needed to uh, unpack my relationship with my body was um, in 2018, so four years ago, when I started to try for a baby. And so me and my then husband were actually separated now, but at the time we uh, decided that we wanted to try to have a baby. In fact, it was 2017, just after we got married. So we started, so I came off the pill. I'd been on the pill for 15 years by that point, really long time. And just like most um, women, just thought that did in order to yeah you know, getting pregnant and um came off the pill thinking you know this is it now time to get pregnant i'm 34 and it didn't work for me it wasn't uh, my periods were basically really really irregular and um very light and i'd have like a 45 day cycle then i'd have a 10 a 25 day cycle then back to 35 and i started to feel like oh, I felt like I was spinning a little bit out of control. It was like I'd had this really perfect, everything was like neatly lined up. I'd had my house and I got my husband and I got my full-time job. And I, you know, and now the next thing was to have a baby, right? Like that was yeah. the next two. And so this kind of completely spun me out. And I realized, and it wasn't, it started to be connected, but I basically realized that maybe I needed to start looking after myself a little bit more and mm -hmm. I really through a lot of my own research kind of in the background I'd been put on the IVF waiting list I was told that I had polycystic ovaries so there's all this going on in the background so with with western medicine and then in the same time I started doing a lot of my own research on what was actually happening to my body as I was kind of and why potentially I could be suffering with such irregular periods and 
I kind of knew that my relationship to food and exercise wasn't great, but I'm mm-hmm. pretty about it. And I thought, oh gosh, I couldn't possibly be too thin or over-exercising too much um, in order to stop my periods. Like, surely this isn't this isn't me. Like, this isn't my story. I don't. I'm not yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I still had a lot of issues around my body. I always wanted to be thinner. So anyway, I started to realize hang on a minute there is potentially a connection here and kind of in the midst of all of this mess my marriage also started to to break down so I had to start basically I I realized I had to start looking inwards at some of the stuff that was was yeah why was I having this, um, these feelings around food? I'd basically been restricting calories for, I mean, 10 years. I'd been obsessively counting my macros. I'd been going to the gym five or six times a week. At one point I was going to the gym in the morning and to dance classes after work. Like it was all consuming. It's all I thought about was food and exercise yeah. and get dinner. I just wanted to yeah. get dinner. If I- thinner I'd be happier yeah um, so I realized as I started to kind of unpick things actually hang on a minute my relationship to food is actually really dark like there's a real negative I become so fixated in the way that I was eating and the, the way that I was exercising and that I would only have an egg white omelet for breakfast followed by you know chicken and rice and vegetables for lunch followed by you know broccoli and salmon for dinner I just yeah I, I couldn't see that what I was doing was not nourishing myself, that I was actually really restricting myself. And how could my body possibly be able to welcome, you know, another being, like grow a baby when I was effectively not nourishing my own fertile ground? Like it just wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I started doing the inner work. I realized I had to get some help. I had to start looking, what, what is this? Why is this? Why am I eating this way? What is stopping me from being able to let go and to trust? And I, I was so obsessed with the fact that I was going to get fat if I stopped yes. dieting, if I stopped exercising, like completely and utterly obsessed with it, that I uh, I was terrified. And my co- I got a coach, started working with a coach who helped me look kind of past trauma, past conditioning, all these things were causing me to not trust my own body to not let me eat what I wanted to eat and yeah. so able to start having some distance from it and I started eating intuitively I started I chilled out on my exercise regime I realized that I needed to be looking to nourish myself not punish myself uh, you can have that <laughs> yeah yeah no I talk about that all the time Alex like nourishment not punishment and it's like you want to be thriving not surviving and I think you know you and I have a very not well, quite similar sort of background history and it's like it's taken me and I think we're actually the same age you turning 40 this year in January yeah yeah okay okay so I'm turning 40 in August and I'm like even if the one thing I can do is just I don't know hopefully bring the experience obviously you've had I've had and condense it and just hopefully make women kind of go through the the transition of just acceptance and wanting to thrive and nourish and not just shrink themselves and but I kind of want to hear the end of your story and I'll start chatting and then you won't shut me up so carry on carry on (laughs) 
So I started doing it in a work with um, my coach and we started to unpack that the relationship with my body was very much um, one of, I, I, all of the hate that I felt, all of the anger that I was feeling towards everything that I wasn't able to express, I was turning in on myself. Like mm -hmm. all of keeping stuff down because I believe that anger was an emotion that I wasn't able to express, I wasn't allowed to express. Um, yeah it back in on myself and that's where this you know fixation with the way I looked everything had to be perfect I had to look perfect my body had to be perfect I wasn't even realizing of, of what a kind of mask I was wearing actually of, of the person that had got all of I had it all together on the outside I looked like I had got all of my shit together and yeah. inside I was I was a mess like a complete yeah. mess and so it was a gradual progress, but as I was able to start nourishing myself properly, I stopped um, allowing uh, my mind to take over and wanting to control everything that I ate. I stopped exercising so intensely. My periods able, were able to come back naturally. And by within a year of me and, and um, basically almost going through IVF, my periods had come back regularly yeah, again. Yeah, amazing. And yeah, I was, so, I was so excited. I was like, how do I even tell? I can't even, who do I tell? Like, this is so exciting. Um, but yeah, I think it really proved to me that we can take responsibility for our own health. We can take responsibility for our own menstrual health. And yeah. West is fantastic for so many things. But when it comes to the menstrual cycle, when it comes to infertility, there are boxes that need to be ticked. And for some people that works but for a very, very large percentage of people, it doesn't work. And I think that in order to be able to empower women to look after themselves better, being able to let go of these stories of how I have to look in order to be loved and how I have to behave yeah. in order to be loved. If we can let go of all of this past trauma, this you know past conditioning, then we're able to step into like who we're actually born to be, not the person that we think that we have to be. And in the yeah. in the everything in our body starts to align too and our menstrual cycles can flow our energy is going to flow better we're going to feel less stuck we're going to be able to use our voice so much more and it's yeah that was my journey and now i'm also trying to help other women on yeah that. So, yeah that's amazing i think it's really and i don't think people really talk about like loss of periods or kind of irregularities in cycles very much and I don't I don't know particularly with the women I work with but I know in some like worlds of fitness it's almost seen as a bit of a badge of honor that you don't have a period that you've taken your training like so seriously and you're so kind of you know you're so lean um, you know, like obviously bikini athlete, um, they often don't have a period, like because they don't have enough essential fat in their body to, you know, obviously like metabolize the hormones and do what their bodies need to do. And I just don't know if there's enough talked about that. I heard something the other day and it was like your period. It's like your, your report card. It's like your health report card. Like if something is out of whack, if something is out of balance, like it is an alert I went to my doctor and I told him I hadn't had a period for I think it was about two years and I was definitely um, overtraining. I was, I don't think purposely under eating, but my energy output was extremely high and I wasn't really, again, it was a control thing very much like you kind of got, a, I've got a lovely life, 
but you know, underneath it looks like I'm just swimming along, but really my little legs were like this all the time. A lot of kind of um, anxiety, probably a lot of stress, just not really ever doing any inner work, just outward, keep busy. Like as long as you're exercising, as long as you're, you know, blah, 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 just like throwing myself into classes, not wanting to do any kind of internal reflection of why do you need to go to 16 exercise classes a week? Like why, what's your drive? What are you running from? But when I went to the doctor, he was like, oh, um, it's probably your polycystic ovaries, which I do have. And they're really polycystic. Yeah. Um, like I know that. And I did have fertility issues too. But also I did have periods and then they went when I started over-exercising. But I walked into the GP surgery. At no point did he look at me and go, well, you know, actually, like your BMIs, like really, it was healthy, but obviously I wasn't thriving. Um, and again, because he didn't do anything it wasn't till I went for a walk with like I was kind of processing it very slowly in my own mind but I was so horrified by the very notion that I would have to do less that I would have to let go of this kind of like lean physique that I felt like I had worked so hard to attain that I felt like was socially acceptable you know people would praise it wow Katie what did you do to get so lean and when I look back at photos of like when I was my leanest like I do, I, I wouldn't say I, I definitely had disordered eating, but I didn't have an eating disorder, but I look like I did. But societally, it was praised. But actually, I still remember standing on the scales and like, I won't give figures because it's probably triggering for some people. But I looked at the scales and it was a ridiculously small number. And I just wondered what it would be like to push down into the next stone bracket. I was like, well, that's interesting. But I wonder what my body, and isn't it interesting that I've done this, but I wonder what my body would look like if I pushed down into the next stone plus pounds. And obviously that was massively disordered. And it's only now when I look back and I just think, what a nightmare. And I was a fucking nightmare. I had no sex drive. I was hungry, like all of the time. I wasn't really living in my life. I was again, like very sort of focused on food. If I was eating, I was obsessing about what the next meal would be. Um, like I don't, I, I think I did try and like reel it in quite quickly, but I had to really go on a journey and it it's so tough to appreciate that you've got to do the internal work, like that recognition of it's, it isn't normal to need to kind of excessively over-exercise. Like there's a point where, you know, there's that law of diminishing returns anyway. Like, you know, of course exercise, exercise is fantastic to a point, but if you're using it as a tool to escape other things, well yes and it's not leading to so i think and i've you know i've read studies about i'm going to try and say it again so hypothalamic amenorrhea yes yeah. you call it ha so that kind of loss of your period and mine was completely absent for i think it was two years but i don't think at the time i really knew and i think i also in my head was like it's not me i don't over exercise and under eat i'm okay that's for other people this is my polycystic ovaries well, obviously, I've returned to having an amazingly regular cycle now, which is phenomenal. Um, and I'm really happy with my body every month. I'm like, oh, a bit like you said. It's like, who can I tell? <laughs> who can I tell that I get a period every single month? Because <laughs> it gets very exciting. Um, 
but just like the effect on like your bone mineral density. So, I mean, one study said that if you are six months without a period and you're in your 20s, your bone mineral density is the same as that of a 51-year-old postmenopausal woman. And that's oh. six months. And you can't replace the minerals. So I have done lasting damage to my bones by not having a cycle for such a long time. And I think that's why I really wanted to do this like podcast, this live, because if you are listening and you are not having a period, it's not, it's not just convenient. It's not, you know, it really is a massive, massive red flag that you, something is out of whack in your life. And you need to kind of figure out how to get your cycle back because the future you, which I know we like massively struggle to relate to, to empathize with, to give a shit about, but the you of your 60s, 70s, who's kind of fracturing their bones, falling over, having to be, you know, that you isn't going to thank you for the fact that you look super lean. <laughs> well, and also I think that even in the present moment, it's like, it is not a badge of honor to be worn because it's ultimately... As a woman, it's an ultimate symbol of, of your health. It's yeah. your your monthly period. And that also depends on how, you know, extreme pain, how heavy it is, how light it is. You know, all of these things are, are report cards, as you said, as to our current state of health. So, you know, absolutely not. And I, I wish that somebody had actually been more explicit with me when or had even asked me the question like no one even asked me the question how many times a week do you exercise how how do you feed yourself like how do you nourish yourself no one asked me that no so, no when i was going through ivf and they said to me oh you have polycystic ovary syndrome i don't have pcos i had polycystic ovaries i could see that on the on the screen but i don't have polycystic ovary syndrome and i remember going to the doctor for i can't remember a blood test maybe and she said to me have you, uh, are you trying to lose weight? And I looked at her and I was like, I mean, I was like a size eight and 10 at the time. I was for me, I'm tiny, I'm like five foot seven. That was like, and I said to her, well, I'm always on a diet. Like, at the time, <laughs> I thought like, why, why, why are you asking me if I, you know, do you know what I mean? It's just, there's such a disconnect still between the doctors and the way that we are kind of empowered to look after our own bodies and our own periods and that it, the solution isn't the pill. The solution is really more, tracking your own cycles is a really big yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely. Because the, again, the doctors never say, well, track your cycles, see when your temperature rises, then you'll know whether or not you're ovulating. I yeah. mean, that's me. I was like dumbfounded, angry, shocked, like all of the above that, I didn't even know that until I was 34 years old, that first of all, you could only get pregnant for one week a month. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? How was I? I don't know that. And you can tell if you've ovulated by whether or not your temperature increases. Yeah. So there's just so much, there's such a lack of education around this really vital part of being a woman. And um, I think the work that you're doing is, is really incredible and really important. Well, yeah, I think it's just, I think it's, yeah, it's just that idea of, and I think it's so nice if more people are in the space thinking about 
just getting people to think of better goals than, um, you know, why, I think as women, it's interesting, you said sort of for 10 years, but I think actually, if I think back, probably I was kind of thinking about food from about the age of 14, 13. And I saw some of your, and I, you know, I still have memories of, you know, like it'd be like a random uncle who would comment on the way you look in a pair of shorts or, you know, people feeling that they have this right to comment on women's bodies and this. I was really loving you all like, maybe we can chat a bit about it, but the last three posts you did on Instagram about mm. these like narratives and maybe it's probably going to come better out of your mouth, but can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I know for women and when they come to me, I kind of, I lure them in with like, I'll give you whatever you like. And then I'm like, but I'm going to make you thrive. Um, but obviously like women come about seeking this change, feeling like fed up in their bodies and they instantly think the solution is shrinkage. Yeah. And, you know, I, I suppose as I just kind of illustrated in that story, even when I stood on the scales and I was the lightest I have ever been, I was not happy because I had not taken one single moment to look after myself. I wasn't feeling great. I was a nightmare to hang out with. My husband was like, this is really boring. <laughs> um, but like, I would have assumed that that moment that I stood on the scales and I got to that like goal weight, which is again, why I don't use scale weight with the women I work with. Like I just, I don't give a monkeys how much you weigh. Actually, nobody give us, gives the monkeys how much you weigh. Um, but like, as in, if you haven't done the internal work or if you're, or if you're like, I don't know, I think I had a check in this week from someone and they were like, oh, you know, I feel amazing. I'm eating all my vegetables. I'm having like great sources of protein. I'm moving more, but I don't feel like my clothes are fitting any like better. And I'm like, wait one second. So you're feeling amazing. You know, you're nourishing your body. You're starting to introduce movement from a place of love, not, not punishment. You're enjoying training and you're turning up consistently for yourself. You're voting to be the type of person who's worth looking after. And you're worried about the fact that maybe, I mean, maybe you just need to go and buy a different pair of jeans. Like, it's just all the wrong way around. Whereas if you sort of stood on the scales and it said that you were like your goal weight, and you felt like shit, you'll still probably be on like some level a little bit happy. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, I remember when I was in the depths of it, I, at my worst, and I was at my emotional lowest as well. It's also correlated, I do believe, like if you are having a really emotional time, like a rough time, and if you are not aware of the emotional time that you're having, like I was so disconnected from my body thinking that, I could go down so many tangents. I was so disconnected from my body that I wasn't able to feel my emotions. So mm -hmm. I didn't like how dark I, I how dark it was actually emotionally for me. Um, but in that time where it was at my most darkest, I was at my most restrictive. I had an online coach that I would measure myself every day for. I would weigh myself every day. Sorry, I weighed myself every day, measured myself once a week, sent it all over to on this spreadsheet. She'd basically tell me. And like, I was tiny. I was actually looking at the photos of myself the other day being like, I was so small. And all I wanted to do was be smaller because I thought that if I would just get, the smaller I was, I was going to be happier. I'd finally reach like this magic moment where everything came together. And I felt like, ah, but that was never going to happen because I realized that's not actually where happiness lies. And no. You weren't living your best life. And I often think like we have these kind of 
like mad notions about like living in this like dream body. And I'm like, you don't know what the person who's got that dream body is doing to maintain that body. You might not enjoy the practices. It might not align with the type of person you want to be. Maybe you want to be able to eat out with your kids. Maybe you want to enjoy family meal times. Maybe you want to, you know, go into social situations without primarily thinking about the energy content in the food and drink, you know, you, you don't know what people have had to do and you don't know how um, maybe unhealthy some of their behaviors and thoughts are around food. You don't know about the amount of restraint they're having to place. Like all you're doing is like looking at a pair of abs and thinking that's fantastic. You don't know, like that person might not have a cycle. They might get osteoporosis. They might, you know, get brittle bone disease. They might have, you know, no sex drive, their hair's falling out. You know, you just don't know because we just see something and we're like, oh, that looks great. I'd like that. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And also all of us, you know, I was coming from a place of running away from my like trauma, basically. That was, you know, I didn't want to feel the pain that I was feeling. And a way to run away from that is to overexercise and yeah. to control. Because if I control and I overexercise, I don't have to actually deal with what's sitting underneath that. Yeah. So it's like... I was going to say, Alex, what would you say? So say somebody's listening and they're like okay, I'm relating a little bit. Like maybe they've got their cycle, maybe that's all fine, but they can still relate to that idea of kind of using that control around um, food and maybe overdoing the exercise and certainly not doing it from a place of like, oh, this is making me feel amazing. I'm feeling, you know, you should feel energized after, you know, exercising. You shouldn't, you know, you need to be fueling it properly, but say someone's maybe thinking that they're overdoing it and you went on that journey. Like, obviously, I suppose it's like everything. The first thing you have to recognize is that there's a problem. What would you say is like a next kind of practical step? Like, or what, I don't know, what's good advice? If someone's listening and they're like, oh, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe the problem, because I always say actually the problem, you know, your bodies are never broken. People that want to work with me, I'm like, wait up. Like your body's amazing. It's your brain that needs some fixing. So like, you've got to kind of go the other way. We've got to fix your brain. We've got to create a pattern of behaviors that make you thrive. And then you thought, you know, you are going to love that body. But uh, what would you say? Oh, well, it really depends on the person that I'm working with. But I think ultimately it comes down, or always boils down to self-worth and how I think I would really work with somebody so that they can understand where their level of self-worth was and mm -hmm. why they were exercising so much. Why, what is the reason why you feel you need so small? Where has this come from? And then I think we'd explore uh, where did this come from? Was it your parents? How did they talk around food? How did they talk around their bodies? What stories were you shown growing up within your family unit? I, mm -hmm. I, that very much talked about you know dieting weight healthy food like it was yeah. a big, big thing yeah and one of my aunties once saying when I was about 10 oh you know you've got a, you've got the family stomach you know all of these things that just they just I remember a dance teacher once saying to me if you want to take I, I used to do Borum and Latin if you want to do this seriously you're going to have weight and I must have been 12 and you know all these things just like they just stick yeah, and of course they do. I think there's an exploration into how deep this goes. That would be one of the first things to do because I don't think you can just say, okay, 
So tomorrow you're going to stop eating, uh, you're going to stop counting calories and you're going to um, stop exercising so much because it's really triggering for somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that would have made me go completely like it has to come from within and I suppose that's why it's quite nice doing this sort of format because it feels non-threatening so people can listen and sometimes it's lots of little seeds isn't it it's kind of like letting things in like starting to get a bit curious about why you're doing the things you're doing so sometimes I'll say with women I'm working with just be really like a, you know I think I mentioned it I was with an amazing um, coach yesterday and I was sort of telling her about, again, I suppose lots of us have this thin bias. We grew up like kids of the 80s, like low fat mums constantly on a diet. Like, oh, I can't eat that. Like measuring out their milk and their peas, etc. Like, I think for us, you know, Kate Moss, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Like all of these, you know, extremely thin women kind of have definitely on a level of kind of osmosis, just kind of develop this narrative about what it means to be a woman, what it should look like to be a woman. Um, and again, obviously that shifts. And I think I was seeing that on your Instagram as well. It's like, you know, obviously now this kind of more muscular physique is in or, you know, whatever is in, it'll probably be affecting the children of that, you know, generation on some level, which is obviously why we have to be so careful about how we're nurturing our relationships with food, our bodies, exercise, because they're like little limpets, those children, and they, they notice everything and we're affecting their future internal kind of narratives. Um, I, I don't even know where I was going, but yes. <laughs> I think that the other thing that is a really big um, deal that we don't talk about enough is how nourishment and how we nourish ourselves is directly linked to how we can love ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had no self-love. I had, my, my self-worth was at rock bottom. And it's like, if you compare that to how I was nourishing myself, which was, you know an egg white omelette for breakfast followed by you know literally so restricted so tight so controlled all the time it's like of course that completely that completely makes sense like i yeah. wasn't able to love myself and and therefore i wasn't able to nourish myself either yeah and that is where we have to teach the gen next generation that that food is a form of nourishment is a form of self-love it's a form of like you know, going to the kitchen and creating yourself a really beautiful, nourishing, you know, dish is yeah. an act of self-love. Just throwing some, you know, something really together or chucking it in the microwave, that has a very different energy to it. So yeah, really, that's another area I'd really work on. I feel like it's so tied up with your self-love and your self-worth. And that is ultimately where you have to start healing in order to be able to know that even when you start eating more intuitively which would be the next thing that i would suggest that we worked on that you're you're realizing that when you do start to put on some weight that it doesn't if you do you might not you might actually lose weight if you start eating intuitively but anyway it doesn't even matter yeah, it doesn't even matter i know and that's the thing isn't it i think the one thing that is never going to be static is your fat stores i mean I, I did a really i sort of said quite a morbid thing the other day but for like most women that like i i work with definitely you know the likelihood is like when they're dead they'll probably be either like 
I know, half a stone or half a stone heavier either side. Like literally women spend so much time just kind of like yo-yoing. It's probably never more than like half a stone either way. And even if it was, what would it matter? But it, you know, it tends to be, it's like, you know, always, oh, that last two pounds is so difficult to shift or whatever. But you're losing your life by being so hyper-focused on something that nobody gives a shit about. Nobody's even going to notice if it happened. Like nobody cares about it but you. And you're losing out on like living your fullest, most wonderful life. You're stopping living because you're just so hyper-focused on this like shrinkage goal. Maybe that's a good time. I know I'm aware of the time. I don't want to keep you forever, Alex. But talk about like some of these like narratives because I suppose why is it that as women we are like our just go-to like our our go-to is like well i must be smaller well i think it goes very 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 far back in society way too far back um, before we kind of you know women have always needed to be smaller like well certainly you know if you think back to the victorian ages or anywhere that when we were wearing corsets you know yeah. even back a certain shape of body that was was desirable and women were crippling themselves you know breaking their uh rib cages in order to have those tiny weeny those corsets yeah and you, know, you wonder where did these designs come from is this a is this a is this a and i'm not here to slag men off at all but there is you know there, there is this a design that a man has come up with that a woman's you know waist needs to be this tiny and then she has this big you know <laughs> Um, in the dress like or you know and I think the media has got so much to answer for now yeah. I you know I feel so frustrated that you know I have spent a career in an industry up until now that is part of the problem you know television is part of the problem we sell this image to women that this is how you need to look in order to be loved and we believe it we really mm. believe diet culture again like here's this whole billion and billion multi-billion pound industry that teaches us that well it's, it's okay because once you've lost the weight you're going to be happy and then you're going to meet somebody and you're going to fall in love because you're thin yeah and you're thin and you're miserable like so what does it even matter it's just it's, it's so frustrating isn't it i think when people come to me and obviously it's fine to like and i think i i spoke with um I don't know, I'll have to connect you two because again, you very, you definitely singing off like a similar hymn sheet, but I'm Debbie Edwards. And it was just about like in all of these moments, she had this like one question and I think it's worth repeating because I just really loved it. But it was like, um, I even wrote it down, but how can I love myself um, more right now? So like, what would loving myself more right now look like? And like for women, we've been so like busy kind of being restrictive. So even when I work with women, I'm like, well, dish up your food. And then can you think about what you could add to make it better? Like mm. stop thinking about restriction, like dish up your food and then think, oh, could I like sprinkle on some seeds? Could I go get some feta? Could I, I don't know, chop up some fresh chilies? Because all of that, and I really liked what you said earlier about kind of nourishment putting a plate of food together that is vibrant, that is colorful, that has thought about putting in some carbs, has thought about putting in some veggies, has thought about a bit of protein, has thought about some fat. That plate of food, because we don't eat just for, you know, to satisfy hunger. Like I think particularly women, like we're eating for emotional reasons. We're eating to kind of get that hug inside. We're like eating, we're like 
searching for this something. And sometimes when that void is empty or you've just got this empty void inside you, you're emotionally eating to kind of just fill this emptiness. And then that puts you in conflict because then you're feeling like you're living in this bigger body that doesn't feel like you. And the whole thing just cycles and cycles and cycles. But the minute I start working with women, I'm like, okay, so you've dished up. How could it be better? Like, what can you add? Can you think about something else you could add to your plate? I mean, interestingly, the other behaviors start to fall away anyway. So actually, when they start increasing their meals, making them bigger, more satisfying, more delicious, more textured, more crunchy, more like sh shabazzled or whatever. Uh, shabazzled? Don't know. I use a strange word. But as in, you know, like when we start thinking about more, those kind of feelings of I need to just slope into the kitchen and find something to fill this hole inside of me or I need to have that glass of wine because there's this itchy thing inside of me it feels uncomfortable I don't like it like it's if you're having any of those things you need to stop thinking about like losing weight and you need to think about working on your relationship with your body and food because it doesn't matter what happens to your body composition or your fat stores if you haven't done that internal work, it will be completely meaningless. And so many of us are trapped in this meaningless fat loss cycle of doom that is just like berating you and like hitting you around the face and leading you basically just down a dead end alley where you just end up more stuck, more frustrated. You're getting older and you're not like looking up and you're not looking around and you're not living because you're just so busy losing and regaining the same like seven pounds for like the majority of your life and it's just if if anyone's listening and we can stop you doing that that would be phenomenal <laughs> yes definitely and i think that it's definitely an act of love is nourishing your body for what it's asking for and for what it's really asking for as well and like in those moments like you talked about is when you like, oh, I'm itching for something. Is it a glass of wine? Is it, you know, chocolate? I need to fill this like uncomfortable feeling that I've got inside of myself. One of the biggest things I can recommend anyone who's listening do is to shut your eyes and to be with this feeling that you can feel in your body. Like ask yourself, where can I feel it in my body? Can I feel it in my chest? Can I feel it in my solar plexus? Can I feel it in my stomach, my throat? And then what? what temperature is it does it have a shape does it have a color and what's the sensation is it tingly is it sharp is it tight and then just sit with wherever this sensation is and just sit with it and breathe into it and really allow it and welcome it. because actually if you can do that rather than going to try and to fill the hole or that weird feeling with food or alcohol i can almost guarantee you it will go or you'll be able to ask your body actually what it wants not assuming that the chocolate or the sugar or the, the wine is going to ease it because it won't ease it or give you a very short relief. And again, you'll go into the shame spiral, you'll go into the self-hate, you'll get, you know, berating yourself. When actually, what is your body really asking for? Maybe it is really asking for the cake. Great, go and have yeah. the cake. Maybe, yeah. it's maybe it's actually asking for, I want some physical affection. I need to cuddle. Maybe I want to cuddle a, a child or my friend or a partner or maybe actually I need to connect. Maybe I need to call someone and have a chat or, um, you know, maybe I need to go out and walk in nature. Like there's so many other things that your body could be asking for. It's not necessarily just food or alcohol and just taking the time to properly ask it and properly check in 
that's that I that's a huge piece oh of I love that it's like I'm gonna I have to write that down and share it in case anyone doesn't listen to us chat which I'm sure they all will but I really really love that because I think that's the other thing and particularly when it becomes to being more intuitive about how you're feeding your body so I think people's fear is like oh but I'll be allowed to eat anything and I don't I don't trust myself I don't trust myself to have in that food I don't trust myself and it's like actually I find it very fascinating and I'm still on a journey with it all like and I think that's the other thing it doesn't necessarily have a destination like it's something that's going to change with time with circumstance with like your energy your fatigue like you might revert back to old habits that's fine that's normal um but when you do come from that place of taking away the restriction and being like oh actually i don't know i can eat the penny sweets that my kids just bought but actually being like oh but do i want it like is that what i want because i can have it like I, I have permission like and i always say to people i'm working with you have complete permission to eat like obviously you can eat any any food you want but you've got to think about like, is it your fuck it yes? Is it the thing you really, really want? Because so often you've like, I don't know, eaten half a fish finger standing up. You've kind of like stopped scraping off into like the food waste and put it in your body instead. And again, that's not votes for loving yourself. That's votes for I'm not worth sitting down and eating. I'm not worth thinking about making this into a complete meal. Like it's fine to eat leftovers, but maybe heat them up. Maybe sit down, maybe go get some ketchup or tartar sauce. Like maybe put a little kind action with that action because yeah. otherwise you're just continually voting for you know you're you're not really worth looking after everybody exactly. else and again i spoke with debbie yesterday and it was very much about these like stuck female narratives so we have to look after and you you've like touched on all of them too but like this idea as women that we look after everybody else at the sake of ourselves we have to please everybody else we have to make sure like the house is in order so everybody else's lives are easier we have to, you know, be 100%, like if we're mothers, we have to be 100% motherly all the time. And we never give ourselves permission to go first. And yeah. we need to be like, asking that question, like actually maybe loving me right now much more looks like having the muffin. Maybe it looks like having half of it. Maybe it looks like not having it today. Maybe, you know, it could be anything. But if you're not checking in, and you're just chucking in things too. And I've definitely done it with alcohol as well. I took a, a really big break from alcohol because I just realized it's another kind of numbing, you know, it's just like exercise, it's just like food and it's just like um, booze. You can just, it feels uncomfortable. It feels like the only thing I could describe it is it's like this void, it's a bit itchy. It's really interesting that you talk about using terms for your feeling, but it was mm -hmm. like this not enoughness and this not enoughness in me would trigger me to either go and want to eat something or over exercise probably. Um, like I'm not enough, I'm not enough and I'll go and do something. And you have to start getting really curious. And I just, again, I love your like tip of actually feeling that sensation, putting that kind of breath, that break, that kind of, that notion of slowing down, maybe doing like, I don't know, a couple of breaths in, holding for a few, like breathing out, like doing what you just took us through. So thinking about where you're feeling it in your body, something to stop us kind of just leaping around and not doing that work of like reflecting about what's going on inside. And yeah. We're a nation, we're a generation that I think are 
the first ones probably for a very long time that are learning that actually what happens in our bodies is 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 deeply connected with what's happening with us emotionally and and it, and our brains and our bodies are not separate everything is linked and so we we think oh we're feeling anxious and we we constantly try and figure out why am i feeling anxious oh it must be because of x y and z x y and z and we'll just try and brush that feeling away and go to the gym to to yeah you know exercise out or we'll eat it because we're just like oh anything to take this horrible feeling away yeah. and it doesn't work it doesn't work no, no. gratification then it will stop and so yeah. that's really taking the time to to process this emotion it's energy in your body it's energy that needs to move emotion is energy in motion and so we have to allow the energy to to move it needs your attention it needs your time it needs and that and so fixing it by rushing to the cupboard to have a chocolate bar is not gonna is not gonna be this. And it's very interesting what you touched on about how we feel that we as women we have to give, give, give all the time. I think one of the biggest things that we need to do, because this does show up in so many women's lives, mm. is you know, why um what are our needs? What are your needs? And when it comes to food, it's like do I need somebody else to cook me dinner tonight because actually I'm exhausted and rather than just giving time and then eating all the scraps off somebody's plate you know to kind of use your analogy or actually do i need to allow myself space every evening for half an hour where i get to sit down and have a meal you know with my partner or on my own or whatever but just where i have space not where i'm just eating 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 on the go while i'm doing everything else and not eating consciously it's like again this is about nourishment it's like nourishing your body understanding that your body is a your temple and and if you treat your body badly in whichever way not eating enough eating too much when you don't need it over exercising etc etc yeah it's screaming it yeah. will start and mine was my periods and so yeah. I had to and I think that bringing it back to periods is probably a brilliant place to finish Alex I want to speak again Alex I had like this whole like I start a little whiteboard of things I want to talk to you about really want to chat to you more about like boundary setting I thought that sounded fascinating but like I could literally probably stay on the phone with you for like five hours um but I will pop it out on the podcast thank you so so much if anything in this is making you think that you're ready to do like a bit of deeper work definitely it's i am alex showers isn't it alex, on instagram i'm alex croxford yeah oh alex croxford i don't know where i got alex. showers from how strange um so i am alex croxford and i think you know just consume the content and it might be like it, when you work with me we do like a journaling practice and again like starting to write things down starting to notice you're stuck in a narrative these like little diet voices and I say when you get this idea of shrinkage I want you to see it like as a red flag to love yourself a bit harder like every time you want to make that breakfast a bit smaller because you had a really big weekend don't actually maybe make it a little bit bigger like go and get the coconut to put on top as well as the cacao nibs or whatever it is that's just my breakfast preference but like seeing those like those signs of minimization like as women we've got to stop with the minimization and we've got to start about like maximizing ourselves we've got to think about thriving stop surviving and we've got to if we're so focused down on just like our bodies all the time we're really like missing out on a lot of amazing life um so hopefully uh people will have loved today and they'll have lots of questions and i can convince alex to maybe come on again but thank you alex Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm very happy. Um, it was uh, a 
person in common who connected us. So I'm very <laughs> thankful to her too. But um, lovely. Thank you. Have a lovely day, Alex. Bye. Bye.